he speaks in understanding to us and once we have access to that light it becomes our prophetic declaration sometimes we act contradictory to what we pray in tongues because whenever you pray in tongues you are praying the will of god so he's praying in tongues and make our praying in understanding the meaningful. person that god is allowing the evil to be showing themselves he is now beginning to compromise aborting the process because for purpose we always demand the process if you understand the purpose of god there is prosperity in it your mind will supernaturally be liberated and what you are seeking will seek you start with the book of john chapter 1 verse 14. is grace and our faith part two so last sunday we look at uh, the three basic dimensions through which um the grace of god we don't use this anymore. The grace of God uh, through which the love of God is expressed in our life. The three basic way. And the first one is compassion. The second one is grace. And the third one is truth. And without the mercy of God, which is the compassion of God, there will not be flowing of grace, the flow of grace in our life. Without the flow of grace, there will not be access to the truth. And you know, it's only God that has truth in his custody. It's only God that has truth in his custody. There's falsehood, lies, and all kinds of facts contradictory to the word of God all over the world. And so today we want to take one, two, three, four steps higher to look into it more detail, especially, you know, emphasized more about compassion last Sunday. So I want to really focus a bit more on the grace. I mean, the reason why I introduced that is so that you know where grace is coming from. It's coming from a father of love is coming from a heart of compassion you see that and so when it looks like somebody falls from grace there is a platform called mercy that can make the person to call back or to be back in grace so we saw in first in john chapter 1 verse 14 that the word became flesh dwelt among us we beheld his glory the Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. In verse 16 and 17, it talks about how Moses, the law came by Moses, and grace came by, grace came by, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. All right? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And now there's something very important today that I want to share with you about grace. The scripture, you know, the entire scripture is all about Christ. It's all about God. And Christ is grace personified. He said, the grace of God that, built, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's Titus chapter 2, verse 11. So that's Jesus Christ teaching us to deny ungodliness. I'm going to get into that. So, but then if you look at this scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. So the scripture says, if, you know, um, you know, through one man's disobedience, 
fix this thing. This is very important. Eh? Romans chapter 5, verse 17. 17. The scripture says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, listen to this, this is very important. He said, The reason why death came into the world is through one man's offense. He said, Death reigned. So you have to deal with offense. So I hope you are getting what I'm saying. Once they are attacking your heart, it's death they want to, to reign in your life. You get what I'm saying? So you have to be smarter than whoever is causing any offense. You have to be smarter. People will come and go. It's when you were born into this world that you realize that these ones are your neighbor, these ones are your members, this one you are the pastor, these ones are your children. Are you get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. No matter how close people are to you, whether full of betrayal, misbehave, whatever, you have to ensure that your heart is void of offense because what comes through offense is death. And once death is reigning somewhere, it means that the life of God is being stifled. So you have to be careful. He says, through the one, much more. Look at what it says. Now, through this, I mean, he's talking about Foster Adam here. And he says, that's to be a principle of one. So when one gets it right, the rest can get it right. A principle of one, one seed. Now, look at what he says here. He says, through one, through the one, much more those who receive, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness we read in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I read in life. So God already told us there are two keys to reigning in life. Gift of righteousness, gift of righteousness, and the abundance of grace. I hope that is clear. That if you want to reign in life, you have to be conscious of the abundance of grace that has been given unto you. The abundance of grace. Now, you know grace of God, I define it as the oil of ease. All right, a divine lubricant that makes you to flow and makes things to flow for you easily without any wear and tear, without any unnecessary noise. Have you seen vehicles that are moving on the road and they are making a lot of noise and yet they can't, they can't catch up with your own vehicle? Your own vehicle is not making any noise and it has gone. Psh. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, you, it is the, one of the vivid, the most example of grace is when you see a V8 engine that is so quiet and silent and is moving at a very high speed, and you see a V4 engine or an ordinary four-stroke engine making a lot of noise. Have you seen some of those vehicles? Making a lot of noise. So you see that the more the noise, the less their effectiveness and efficiency. So when we're talking about grace, we are talking about effectiveness and efficiency in the life of a person that generates resolve and productivity without wear and tear or with very less noise, minimized struggle, and all kinds of hustling. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, listen to me. He says the way to this is abundance of grace. 
Now, the word abundance is from the Greek word that is more or less like God, you know, is not going to be reluctant to give you more than what you need. It's like it's not, it's not, it's not, it's like he's wasting his resources on somebody. He knows that he doesn't have the capacity yet to, do you get what I'm saying? But God doesn't care than to just show you that I am just, I am just a God of generosity. I'm just a God of, of, um, how do I put it? Who have decided, I'm just a God who have decided to, to shower my love on you, something like that. So that's, that, that was abundance from the word perisos. It's called perisos grace. It's sometimes like a grace that is not just in abundance in terms of quantity, a grace that sticks with one until you reign. I want you to understand it. So that's why some people sometimes interpret that Greek word as promiscuous grace. So you will not, and let me tell you something. And that is why I said that whatever, whoever is doing anything in the world, we should know that God factor is key. Whether the person is a believer or a non-believer, you know, we said to that. Now, what you see among believers, we operate at different level of graces. The closer you are to God, the closer you are to God, the, the more conscious you are with your gift of righteousness to live holy and live a life of consecration, the more abundance of that grace you utilize and enjoy. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why the life of consecration, a life of... Um, Holiness, life of righteousness. You know, when he says that those who have received the gift of righteousness, so that means it's expected of them to walk in righteousness. Uh -huh. So he says, it's those kind of people that reign in life. That's the ones that reign in life. Is that how you are reigning in life or sin is reigning in you? Praise God. Are you getting what I'm saying? God. So he says, if, if there are two kinds of people on earth, there are people that are disobedient and they are in alignment with the man of disobedience whose, as a result of his offense, death is reigning. Are you getting what I'm saying? But there's this other man that came with obedience and through him we have received abundance of grace. Abundance. Somebody say abundance. abundance. Now, so it's more than enough that you need. The grace that is more than enough than what you need. So I say it's the power. You know, I define grace as the power of God at work in our life. Now, let me, let me you know, the Bible, according to Titus chapter 1, I want to portray the gift of righteousness because, you see, grace of God showing forth in the life of somebody has to do with the life of righteousness. That's why I say receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's why Paul says in... Let's, let's read verse 18. I'm going to read it to chapter 6, verse 1. You see what I'm saying now. Verse 18. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. So we'll read it to chapter 6, verse 1. It said, Therefore, as through a once man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, that's as a result of sin. So even so, through one man's righteous act, can you see that? 
The free gifts came to all men, resulting in justification of what? Life. Somebody say, I'm justified. So true one must. Now, it's Jesus that earned the grace, but the grace and the righteousness was given to us as a gift. Did you see that? Jesus earned it. You didn't work for it. And you get what I'm saying? Your own responsibility is to believe it. Praise the Lord. Your own responsibility is to do what? To believe it. Now, see, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made what? Righteous. Now, there are scholars who disagree with the way the KJV put it. Can you give us another scripture, another version of verse 19? Probably amplified or so. Look at what it says here. For just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear heedlessness and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners, so by one man's disobedience, the many will be constituted righteous, made acceptance to God, brought into right standing with him. I want us to do probably NLT, NIV or so. So this one says, many will be made righteous. So there's something wrong with this interpretation. There's a version that got it right. Let's, let's look at, let's move on. One man said yes to do and put many in right place. Or put many in the right. One man said no to, to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the what? In the right. It's not we be made. So that looks more like what Jesus did. The result has to be postponed. That you have to have your own, then it will not happen. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. But it's, that's, that's not correct. All right? Many will be made. It's not, in fact, if you check 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you check 30, 44 to when he was talking about the, um, the first Adam and the last Adam, the earthy, the dusty, and the heavenly, do you understand? He says, let's body, if you had body, image of the, the natural Adam, uh, we, we shall also bear the image. No, no, no. no. It's, a, it's, an, it's a translation issue. We already have the image of the heavenly. Praise God. We already have the image of the heavenly. All right? So we already have the image of the heavenly. So the scripture says here that many will be made, so many are made righteous. So he says, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also, by one man's obedience, many are made. That's how it's supposed to be. You see that? Many are made righteous. Somebody say, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Okay. So because if you look at it, you know, vis-a-vis, -vis or, you know, with um, regards to all other scripture, scriptures, in the context of this teaching, you realize that you are not going to be righteous. You are already righteous. So moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So what he's saying is that the real antidote for sin is to be conscious of God's grace in one's life. Are you getting what I'm saying? How you know somebody really, really has grace on his life is he finds it very easy to live holy life. And when you see somebody whose grace, which, whose, I mean, um, whose productivity is very low, minimal, 
who is not really struggling at serving things and all that. So it means that, let me tell you something, what it means is that it's either the person is in process or the person is yet to overcome and really conquer certain things by the gift of righteousness that he has been given. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because there is a reading in life when you acknowledge and receive the grace of God. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can you see that? Grace reigns through what? It reigns through what? Uh -huh. So it's not just having the gift of righteousness. So people toys with sin should know that they are blocking the flow of grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is why in chapter 6, verse 1 says, let's read it together, everybody, loud and clear. What shall we say there? Shall we continue to say that grace may what? Abound. Praise the Lord. You are already in jail. Somebody is there, a lawyer, who is processing your liberty and you are still committing crime inside the jail. Or they just freed you. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then the person who freed you went in to take your place. And then while you are outside, the very crime that brought you in, you started committing it right there. So the scripture says that, look, you can't continue to live a life of sin. Sin consciousness, whether sin consciousness, you know there's sin consciousness and there's practical sinning. So the sin consciousness, whether sin consciousness or um, you are actively involved in sin or you make mistakes once in a while and you continue to make mistakes and then you are struggling, you're about giving up, you know, on the kind of life you should be living. Listen to me. You are shortchanging yourself because the more grace flow in your life, the more reigning in life. Are you getting what I'm saying? You'll be. So mercy is like a pipe. The, flow, the liquid that flows through it is grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? Mercy is like this platform. Okay? What happens when you are doing things on the platform is as a result of grace. So wherever you see grace functioning in the life of a person, at the background is the compassion and the mercy of God. Do you understand? That are really forgiven, giving, empowered all those things I said about mercy and, you know, enable the person to function, to acknowledge the grace of God and utilize that grace. And then you see the work of grace going on in that life. Now, there is a dimension that I will teach later because for grace to function in your life, it's not just as a result of the gift of righteousness or the kind of life you live and your acknowledgement and then you with gratitude and all that. There is a dimension of the truths that makes the grace very specific. You can have grace in your health and not have it functioning in your life um, where your finances and business are concerned. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see somebody who is a very good student, was a very good student when he was in school, but he's not a good um, worker, uh, an employee. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Uh, didn't struggle as a student, but he's struggling as an employee. Do you get what I'm saying? So it means that, you know, when you have seen certain things that have functioned in your life, God has shown you mercy. He has given you grace in that area which you have activated. So what it means is that you can now thank him for that area, believing God for your eyes to be opened and your heart quickened 
to recognize the grace that has been given to you in every other area. Every believer has been given an abundance of grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the abundance of grace means it covers every area of your life, your finances, your marriages, your business, your children, your spouse, your, your, your career, your um, emotion, your whatever you think of about. I mean, your traveling, your vacation. Your, grace covers every area of a believer. That might surprise you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Grace, because God is concerned about everything. For God to have said that, I mean, David says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. If you read it in um, the Passion Translation, talks about every strand of your hair, God knows every, do you understand, before you were formed in the womb, blah, blah, you know, all the details, all the details, no matter how complex the scientists have said that our brain, our body cells, everything is, God, you know, is detailed. You get what I'm saying? God is detailed. All those details, God knows about them before putting them together. And for every detail, there's a supply of grace. Let alone segment, facet, all right, parastatus in your life. Do you get what I'm saying? So the grace of God has been, so if you see anybody struggling in any area of their life, they are yet to actually become conscious, acknowledge, and start utilizing that grace. It doesn't mean that the grace is not there. Okay, let me give you an example. So you see now that grace and sin, they don't match. Uh -huh. Grace enables you to sin no more. A vivid example is a woman that was caught in the act. Do you remember? Act of adultery. They brought that woman to Jesus, and everybody condemned. They brought stone. They wanted to stone her. And Jesus took blows, started writing, and by the time he could, where are your accusers? They've left. He says, and the woman was just there cringing and all that. He said, well, you know what he told those guys? is that you that you are without sin, and people still do it now. Even believers. And you know those who brought that woman, they were religious. They were quoting Moses. Do you remember? Uh, the Judaism, they were quoting Moses. They are the Pharisees, Sadducees, all those guys. So it's still happening to now. When you see somebody who feels superior or who is just holier than thou. Do you get what I'm saying? Who just believe? I mean, it happens. Oh, when you can see some people that they do something, they just feel that they will do it better. Or they know better. Or all those kind of things. So that's what has happened. They brought the woman and said, well, she's to be condemned and blah, blah. According to the law of Moses and Jesus now said, he that is without sin among you should first be the one to cast the stone. I guess if they've gotten somebody who is without sin, the rest will have been able to cast the stone. I don't know if I get, uh, get what I'm saying. He said, let it be the first person, you know, and all that. Let him throw a stone at her first. Let him be the first person to cast the stone so that the rest of you can be qualified. <laughs> and then Jesus said, well, I'm the only one here without sin. You know, the Bible says he was tempted in every, no without sin. The prince of this world found nothing in him. So he's the one that qualified to condemn the woman. And told the woman, and said, okay, um, you can go your way, madam, because you cannot encounter grace and get condemnation. And Jesus is grace personified. Did you get what I'm saying? So what that means is that as she met grace, but look at this. Grace did not condemn her, but at the same time, grace did not condone sin. I want us to get the balance here because they say, you know, once I'm safe, I'm safe forever. I can do whatever I, I like. You go to hell, straight. 
it is not God's will for you to go to hell. It's difficult for a believer to go to hell. People who go to hell go to hell because they reject Christ. So that means once you are in Christ, there is a security. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But you, we have to, we have to frustrate the security of your life to go to hell. You, you can choose your destination eventually. Amen? Uh-huh. So, this is, what, this is what Jesus says. He says, I do not condemn you because Christ is grace personified. You see that? Grace personified. I do not condemn you. And at the same time, I do not condone sin. If you got that, can you say amen? amen. That is why he says, go and sin no more. That is the life of righteousness. So grace do not condemn, and the grace move with the life of righteousness. If you got that, can you say amen? amen? So that's why Paul says, can we continue in sin that grace may what? May abound. He says, never, certainly not. I'll be getting what I'm saying. Go to that verse 14. Go to verse 14 of this Romans chapter 6. Look at what it says there. Look at what it says in verse 14. If I read that place for you, you'll realize it says, reckon yourself to be, a, your body to be alive to God. It says, mortify the deeds of your flesh. You see that? For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under what? But under what? Grace. But under grace. Well, if you read this chapter, you realize that he continues to say that, look, guys, if you yield yourself to righteousness, that's you become a slave of righteousness. That means you'll be living a life of righteousness. But if you yield yourself to sin, you'll be living a life of what? Uh, despite that the grace is there, the grace will not force you to reign. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. Uh -huh. That is where faith comes in. A life of faith is a disciplined life. It's a consecrated life. You can't separate holiness from faith. You can't separate discipline from faith. You can't say you are in faith and you are lazy. You can't say you are in faith and you are not innovative. Eh? You can't say you are in faith. Even in the dream, your brain should be working. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why you have nice dreams. Because your brain has been working before you sleep. Praise God. <laughs> you, just, you suddenly see yourself on floor 22 negotiating a deal in a dream. Because your mind has been functioning by grace. Grace makes you innovative. Grace makes you very creative. Grace makes you a thinker. Grace makes you highly intelligent. Grace makes you hardworking, makes you smart working, makes you diligent, disciplined. That's grace. That's grace. And I will show you. So we are looking at it now so that you can yield yourself to the abundance of grace that has been made available so that you can reign in life by faith. Is that clear? Now, go to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. I want to really nail this on holiness and all this kind of... Um, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, look at that, he said, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Can you see now? The gift of righteousness and what? 
an abundance of grace. Abundance of grace and the gift of what? Righteousness. So he's teaching us to deny. So grace teaches you to deny. And then grace teaches you to embrace. You deny ungodliness, you embrace godliness. You see that? You deny unholiness, worldly lust, immorality, then you embrace living soberly, you embrace living holy, you embrace living righteously in this world. Go back to verse 2, 12. That's what I'm talking about. He said, live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Now, when he said this present age, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not saying that whether it's stone age, it's digital age, it's, do you understand? Whatever age you find yourself, grace gives you the capacity to live holy, to live soberly, with humility, not seeing yourself to be better than others. With character of Christ. You see that? Righteously, godly in this present age. Somebody say, I live godly. Say, I live righteously. Say it louder. Say, by the grace of God and the gift of righteousness, which I have received, I deny ungodliness, worldly loss. I therefore live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Can you declare amen? amen. So this is how to reign in life is to live the life of consecration. To live a life that is conscious, Acknowledging and recognizing the grace that has been provided for our reigning. <laughs> for our reigning. So when that woman encountered Christ, it was, you know, the first grace we enjoy is salvation grace. Are you get what I'm saying? According to Ephesians chapter 2, if you remember, he said, By grace you are what? Saved. Is that what it says? By grace ye are what? Saved. True faith. Now. For salvation grace, <laughs> there is what we call salvation faith. What is salvation faith? The word that we preach. We preach it, all right? We preach the word of faith, which is to your mouth and to your heart. So with a heart, a man believes unto righteousness. With a mouth, he confesses unto what? Salvation. Is that what it says? Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 8 to like 10, 9, 10. You see that? With the heart you believe unto righteousness. With the mouth you confess unto salvation. So what does this suggest? Every human being you see on earth has abundant grace for salvation hanging on them. They are potential believers. Are you getting what I'm saying? But it's not everybody that is saved. Why? Because they need to receive it by faith. They need to acknowledge, activate it. By what? By faith. Praise the Lord. So, for salvation grace, we come up with what? Salvation faith. I hope that is clear. Aha. Uh -huh. We live in the realm of faith. He lives in the realm of grace. He is grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? Good. God does he apply faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> he puts everything. He lives in the reality of what we need. Do you understand? He lives in that reality. That is why if we can be intimate with him, we will also live in that reality. What he sees, we see. 
What he's saying, we hear. What he's showing us, we see. Do you get what I'm saying? We interpret events, we interpret things in the light of his thoughts, in the light of his world. If you are still with me, can you say amen? amen. That is what intimacy and communion, koinonia, partnership is all about. If you have lived with somebody for a period, you will know that the person doesn't like to take corn in the night. You know, the more you live closely with someone, you know what they want, you know what they don't want, you can perceive what they, you can even predict where they will be. Do you understand? If they say so, so person is somewhere, you say, no, he cannot be there. I don't know if I guess what I'm saying. Uh -huh. I remember I was, uh, there was an event, they just played something that is very off my, my faith. And I was supposed to dance, and my cousin, who we have not really been together for long, but we spent childhoods together in faith. Faith, rugged faith. Both of us encountered an angel together that took us through a battleground. This is fierce battle, gun battle. And we told the man, your place, we needed to acknowledge, to appreciate you. Blah, blah, blah. I said, you see this area. Ah, it was a, how, the people were asking us how we passed, how we were able to escape. You went to tell the DJ, say, I know my cousin. He will not do this. Uh, you get what I'm saying? That is, that knowing is not that we are cousins. Hey, how are you? Uh, once in a while, we meet at ceremony. You know, we live together. We live together. He knows what I will do, what I will not what, do. Even though a man can, man, man can change. Do you get what I'm saying? But he went there boldly. But well, his cousin will not do this. But his cousin people will do it. <laughs> Praise God. All right, so let's go. <laughs> now let me give you another one. Salvation grace. But we already got that, right? We are saved, right? Now, it's not enough to be saved. You have to be saved and be prosperous. Salvation doesn't fully make sense if you are saved and you are sick. Saved and sick. Saved and very poor or poor. Saved and panicking. Saved, fearful. I'm fearful. Are you get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Salvation is the first layer. There are many layers. The gateway into prosperity is true salvation. So God is calling our attention to look oh, the same way you got saved, which is the biggest miracle. And that's how we refer to salvation, right? The biggest miracle, right? That you are now in the kingdom of God, you are now a member of the family of God. So it means that every other thing that salvation brought, you are qualified for it. Prosperity, but you see, it is the grace. Grace is the Holy Spirit at work in our life. Grace is the supply of the Spirit that we enjoy. Grace is the power. Okay, let's look at the area of power. You know, Jesus taught them many things. 40 days that he stayed with them after resurrection. Do you remember? He taught them many things. Like three years, three and a half years. Do you understand? When he was with them before he died. Do you remember? He taught them many things. In some occasions, he gave them power. And they came back with testimony, Luke chapter 10, that even the demons obey our voices. 
Don't forget, these guys were eating all throughout. But he gave them power. So that means there's a level of power you can get when you just pray alone without fasting. Do you understand? But there are def- there's a level of power you cannot operate in until you pray with what? Fasting. Now, we saw that in the miracle that happened when they brought that epileptic boy, when he told them that this kind cannot go except by fasting and what? Prayer. So, reduce the way you eat. Find a day or two in a week when you separate to pray and fast. Because this is, these are things that, you know, alter your flow in God. They are things that reconfigure your life in God and upgrade it. When you pray and fast, there's a, a level of power or an, another realm or a new chapter that is open unto you to function in. Prayer and fasting in itself, listen to this, do not directly give you power. What prayer and fasting does is to activate the grace for the power to start flowing. The power in our, see, let me give you, Bible says, Jesus told them, say, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, right? Good. And you shall be my witnesses. That's the work of grace. You are not going to be my witnesses until the power is there. And we see that in Acts chapter 2, right? The power came. In Acts chapter 4, when they were threatened, even with power in their life, they prayed again, there was more supply. If you remember, Bible says where they prayed shook, and then great grace and great power was upon them all. And they preached the word of God with boldness. Do you remember? So that means... The boldness with which they were preaching it before is at a level of power. Now when they pray further and there was supply of more grace, which is the spirit of God inside them, then they, they, they have higher boldness to preach. Do you get what I'm saying? To preach now, meaning that they could withstand all kinds of threats. They could preach regardless of threats. Do you get what I'm saying? And Bible referred to that power that came into their life as great power. Refer to the grace that was, look at what it says. It said, and with great power, the apostles gave witness. But what Jesus promised is that you shall receive what? Power. So now they went ahead to continue to pray, and then they start with power, and then this time is great power. Look at what it says. He said, gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So it was grace at first. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the supply of the God's power or activation of God's power in your life is the flow of grace. The evidence of grace at work. Okay, let's look at this scripture. Acts chapter 3 verse 38. How Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with Holy Spirit and with power. With Holy Spirit and with power. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. So Bible says it was doing good, look at it, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now, now, 
Listen to this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what? Power. See, if he went about healing those who, and Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. That's what happened here to me. Exactly the way he operated, right? Good. Now, I want to take it further. Because you can be saying that what concerns me with those who are oppressed, do you get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Oh, I'm not interested. The sick should go to the hospital. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, but there are different dimensions. There are different dimensions. Let me show you one. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. You realize that everything a believer does, there is a grace for it. Anywhere, if you drive a vehicle and it's giving you a problem, you have to go and pray for you to enjoy mobility grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like every now and then, it's mechanic. Is either God's grace is activated, you have enough to buy the one that will not, do you understand? Or you, 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 if the grace is not there, you can be meeting all kinds of mechanical. I'm telling you from experience. And they will be doing all kinds of things, and they will be saying all kinds of things, whereas the ones that really know it, once he sees it like this, is done in minutes and hours. I'm talking to you. Whereas it spent one week in the workshop of somebody who's just having mouth, saying rubbish. Look at all that stress. Stress, distractions. There are many major things you should focus on. Look at all those. So there's a need for activation of grace where mobility is concerned. There are people who have drive, driven cars that they, they regretted. That is better they trek. That is better they trek, that, that they are trekking. Do you get what I'm saying? It's either they drive, they fall into the hands of Lasma, they drive, they, they, they break one rule, they arrest them, the paper is not complete. The, the, see, very cool can frustrate people that somebody wants to go to, going to, go to heaven. He's, he's just ready to leave the earth. The grace is not there. Whereas somebody is driving past, he's smiling. If you don't jam somebody, somebody's going to jam you. When the grace is not there, there is always an issue somewhere. And that's why you don't take things lightly. Don't say, well, you just brush me. You know, that guy is drunk. He's not. Look, they sent him to you. You had better go and pray. Why is it that it's your own car? Eh, I didn't see the light on time, so they arrested me. No, why is it that it's always you? They, let me tell you something. It's not that those who fail exams don't read, though. Some actually read, they'll put their legs in water, put soaked towels on their face, they wash their dish, they will still sleep. If you think that is your village people, a grace has been supplied for you to be hardworking, for you to be smart working, for you to be diligent, we are yet to activate it. It will take a serious, consecrated life of a praying and fasting to break certain things in your life. And that is why most believers believe that they should be in a highly anointed meeting. God is that gifted and generous. You can be in an highly anointed meeting, pa, and something happens in your life. But it's not comparable to the ones that it takes you through process for you to break yourself. Because that one, you can always reproduce it. But you see, the one of the anointed meeting, you always look for the, those anointed, the ones that the anointed men of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. 
You go to Nebraska, you'll be looking for them. You go to Saudi Arabia, you'll be looking for those kind of music. Ah, I wish I can just see this music minister now. Ah, my life will be back again. So this, how your life will remain, you know, I can't can see this apostle now, or this pastor now, very anointed. You know, this thing will not be this difficult. So what has gone wrong with you? As a believer, what has gone wrong with you? Somebody say, I have grace. I have grace. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get what? Uh -huh, grace to get what? Having what is grace. So having what is what? Uh -huh. That he may establish the covenant which is what to your fathers as it is these days. Glory to God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He said, but you know the grace of God. This is the New Testament version I'm reading to you now of this verse. He said, you know the grace of God that though Jesus Christ was rich, he became poor, and that through his poverty, we can become rich. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's grace. That's grace. Grace for riches. Okay, let me, let me, let me clarify it more. Go to 2 Timothy chapter um, 6. Is it 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17? I was telling you, I think I was saying it on Sunday or so. Grace we give to you, and faith will receive what is given. Are you getting what I'm saying? Grace is God giving to you. Faith is receiving that which God has what? Given to you. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be healthy, so it's still possible to be rich in this present age. Can you say amen? amen. Somebody say, I'm rich in this present age. Say, therefore, I'm commanding that I will not be proud. I receive grace to be humble, to be wealthy, to be rich in this present age. Glory to God. Look at it. The commandos who are rich in this present age are not to be healthy, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, in the living God. So you don't trust in the money, in the bank account. Account balance. You trust in the living God. Who does what? Can you see? Who gives us richly all things to what? All things, including wealth. Including spouse, including, do you get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. He gives us all things. Now, if He gives us all things, we should take all things. Our faith takes all things that God gives to us richly to what? To enjoy. Romans chapter 8, verse, I want you to see that when God is giving His grace, the giving of God is grace, the receiving of what God has given is faith. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Hmm. So you can see that grace, that's grace. That God is giving you riches, is grace for riches. That God is giving you grace for wealth. Grace, do you understand, for marital bliss, grace for matrimonial, grace to raise your kids, grace, do you understand? You will just have an unusual wisdom about raising your kids. That grace will lead you to a book that you will read that will transform your business. Are you getting what I'm saying? A believer must be living a, a life that is heightened and conscious of grace. Deliberately be conscious of grace. That your consciousness is heightened. Look, God. God. I'm sensing struggle in this aspect. Do you understand? Um, see, there are things that God deliberately pushes himself for. How many of you have achieved things that it's not that you really plan for it? And it's a very good thing. It's a wonderful thing. It just began to happen, unfold, 
and you step into it, step into it, and it became so, something bigger. That you yourself, you could not have made this thing a goal to achieve. How many of you are, understand what I'm saying? For two years, I was thinking of certain things until some people came up and said, ah, you know, this and this and this and this and this. And I ended up spending money, but I was happy. Because I couldn't have just planned it and just executed it like that myself. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So when he says, if God be for us, we have received abundance of grace. That abundance of grace is on you now. So it's not your pastor's fault. It's not your neighbor's fault. It's not your parents' fault. It's not your siblings' fault. It's not your relations' fault. It's not your co-worshippers' fault that you are still sick. You are the one that, despite the fact that the Bible says that we, by his stripes, we are what? Healed. That's the healing grace. Health grace. Uh, my mind is like, I don't know. Um, they say I'm dull. No. Bible says that find, the flame, find to flame the gift that has been given unto you, for you have not been given the spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and what? Sound mind. That's grace. It's, see, grace is defined in the context of what God has done for us. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if God be for us, who can be against us? Yes? Look at what he says. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own, his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Actually, the key to the whole creation is his son. Don't forget that the Bible says that it's through him that everything was created. Not just through him, they were all created for him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So it means that to assess creations, you assess his son. His son is grace personified. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, I just want us to be conscious of these things. Somebody shout grace. grace. Say abundance of grace. Abundance. Say I have received abundance of grace. So he said, if that reign in the life of the people through the offense of one man, how much more, how much more those who receive, he's talking about those who receive, we are the ones. Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, you don't reign with sickness. Reigning means you are healthy. Reigning means you have sound mind. Reigning means you are wise. You are not foolish. Reigning means that you make wise decisions, productive decisions. You are productive. Reigning means that you pass your exams. Reigning means you have assets. You are not a liability, you are an asset. And you have assets. Are you getting what I'm saying? Reigning means you are in charge. That's what it means to reign. You are not panicking to go to bed. You go to bed with desire that you want to sleep. <laughs> and when you wake up, you wake up strong. Everything is strong, not just a part of you. Are you getting what I'm saying? You rain, that's what raining means. You go to work with boldness, that you know that everything is working out well today. Do you understand? That kind of consciousness, that's what it means to rain. No demon can try you. That's why, not that somebody is trying to help you to do something. This is the life that God has made for a believer. How shall he not freely give us all things? See, 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 see another thing now. See this, the KJV. How shall he not? Do you understand? Now, in a, in a proper new contemporary English tradition, how should he not have freely given us all things? You see that? 
Because Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with... Do you understand? So that means he has actually... What he's saying is more or less like a rhetorical question that look, uh-uh, what are you saying? If God has given us Christ, he has given us everything now. Christ is the key to everything. Are you getting what I'm saying? Christ is the code to everything. Once you have Christ, you have access to anything you will need on the earth. Praise God. Hallelujah. So there is grace to build. Are you listening to me? Grace to what? Grace to build. <laughs> so there is grace to have wealth. Grace to have wealth. You know, in that Deuteronomy, Jesus Christ, God was telling them, he says, you build goodly houses. Is that what he says? Uh, if the Lord does not build the house, those who build, build in vain. Do you remember? Psalm 127. Is it that God is coming to be laying bricks? Is that what he's saying? No, he's going to make building the house very easy for you. Getting the land. Easy. Not the ones that Omolile will be pursuing you or you are pursuing somebody to pursue. So, do you get what I'm saying? And that's one of the things grace does is to position strategic people around you, professionally speaking, that can even advise you. It is disgrace. You know grace and disgrace. It's disgrace that works in the people that makes them believe they can handle things by themselves. Or they want to look for a cheaper way or a shortcut. <laughs> And both the deposit, the balance, the capital, they can't find nothing. Disgrace. Praise God. That is struggle. Amen. Amen. Always think of good things. When he said this is grade A, grade B, grade C, don't be thinking of grade C. Think of it's grace that think grade A. Are you getting what I'm saying? Start thinking terrible. Start thinking, do you get what I'm saying? Start thinking big. It's, that's grace. That's grace. That's grace. Jesus Christ said they should go and give him a course that has not been written before. Not to come course. What was Jesus Christ telling us? Is it not to come He's trying to tell us. Say, Teroba. Virgin Atlantic. Real Virgin Atlantic, not the one that flew before. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's consciousness of grace. But you see, our response to what he has made available is faith. So there is grace for ownership. Ownership grace. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is a, ten, a, a tenancy. Yeah. Look, there is a, a, we are leasing. There might be leasing grace. Do you understand? But there is ownership grace. What God was trying to communicate to the wilderness church, which is Israelite, is ownership. You are going into that land to possess it. Is there no possession that God is doing? Is he listening? <laughs> Ownership grace. Even when they didn't believe that they could possess it, do you get what I'm saying? They saw giants. They saw this. They saw things. They confirmed the fruits are good. And all. Ah, they were demoralized. They started misbehaving and misyearning and started talking anyhow. And God said, your carcasses will fall. Even your children that were not as sophisticated as you. You know, it wasn't the children that were born in the wilderness, that, that, was, that were trained by the Egyptians. You know those training in Egypt made them tough, made them strong. But you know, with all those training, they died in the wilderness. But you see, let me tell you something. If you want to make the children tough, the children, your children are in the future. Whatever you are going through now has built you. Your children, one way or the other, will connect with it. 
but it's just that they are refined. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So they couldn't complain. You know where I, I so one day I sat down, I said, this is real light, eh? One chapter, they complain. God dealt with them, they died. The second chapter, they get food. By the end of the second chapter, they complain again. Do you understand? Like, they complain on Monday, and things, they were rebooked, they died, they repented, they begged God. Tuesday, by Wednesday, they are complaining again. By the following week, they are complaining. I said, what kind of things is this? Do you know what they, I, I just was just, ah, where did they get this thing from? Because Abraham was not complaining. Do you know that Isaac did not complain? Do you know that Jacob did not complain? When they came to take that well, do you know Jacob did not complain? He went ahead to, to, to dig another one because he's conscious of the grace and blessing. You know what has gone on? When they were dealing with them in Egypt, ah, this thing is too much. There was a time they went to meet Pharaoh. He said, you see our time to be talking. Ah, stop supplying them straw. Let them go and look for it themselves. Do you understand? He said, he made the thing tougher for them. That's where they develop that ability to complain. That is why suffering is not good. There are some other side effects of suffering. Are you guess what I'm saying? You know you can overpamper yourself when you break through financially eventually. You can fly with your private jet. I said, don't land. Don't land. Just, let's just... Let's just stay here. After too much on the land. Are you don't, look, let's do the crazy. Let's just hang here. Don't land now. Don't la- I said don't land. Is it your PJ? Don't land. I remember that. Maybe it was a movie or something. <laughs> he said, sir, that meat is enough. He said, which meat? He said, bring the pot. <laughs> ah, do you know that we never had meat for long? He said, bring the whole pot. They carried the meat said, until constipation probably eventually died. That's some of the side effects of suffering. And that is why when you are going through process and you are suffering now, because some of you might be suffering now, and you are going through process, pick the best lessons. Let your heart be open. Appreciate those who have passed through the process that are doing well. Don't criticize them. Don't be envious. Bless God for them. Knowing fully well that your home is around the corner. Are you getting what I'm saying? Have a better orientation, a better perspective to things. Don't envy somebody. You are using a, there's something they call palasa. Is it for they call palasa or something? Eh? No, that's not, that's not communion. You are using a, 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 maybe an old phone or something, a phone that probably you are not proud of and blah, blah. And then you see somebody who is using maybe um, iPhone 15 Pro, you get what I'm saying? Now, now, when they announce that iPhone 15 is house, nonsense. Don't have that kind of attitude. What nonsense? iPhone 15 is not nonsense. iPhone 15 Pro Max is not nonsense. Have a heart that appreciates good things. Even if you know you don't have things to... Do you get what I'm saying? It's just a matter of time. You magnetize it. What you don't like, you will lack. Grace makes you appreciate good things. You don't become covetous, you don't become greedy, but at the same time, you appreciate those good things, especially when you see it in the lives of people. Even in the life of people, you don't, you least expect, where did you get the iPhone 15 Pro? Fake, 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 not fake. Not fake life. 
arrange, arrange, all those things. They will be saying, it's who call? Nonsense. And you are judging people. You don't know that. The person might even be like what you are saying, but the fact that you are thinking it, you are also deleting yourself from the network of people that can make progress. Are you getting upset? I mean, what is your own problem? Why, is, why should you carry other people's matter that seriously on your head? I mean, what's if they face your personal business? Praise God. Hallelujah. Grace makes you face your business. Because there's enough businesses of grace that has been made available for you. Somebody say, I receive abundance of grace. Say it again, say, I receive abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. John 1, 12, as I close. As many that have received him, to them he gave authority and power to, to be children of God, even as many or to those who believe in his name. Now, this is the aspect. Receiving is our responsibility. Giving is God's responsibility. Are you getting what I'm saying? That receiving is our faith. That's why it says the receivers are believers. Believers are receivers. Look at this scripture. To those who believe in his name. As many as received him are the ones that believed in his name. Delete all the middle stuff. But as many as received him are those who believe in his name. Can you see that? As many as received him, and those who what? Believe. So some people don't believe it. So now, grace to build, grace of ownership, you have to see it and believe it. You see that? You say you'll be the head and not the tail. That's grace for leading. Are you getting what I'm saying? Check all throughout the scripture, all his promises, they are enveloped in grace. The fulfillment is by grace. All his promises. Building grace. Ownership grace, victory grace, grace for plenty, standing grace. It's not enough to be saved. You have to stand. Living a life without compromises, inheritance grace, leading grace. So many graces in the scripture. And so it is our faith that activates those graces that has been given us. I'm going to shed more light on this in service and probably from there I will get into the truth dimension because you need a revelation of the truth to acknowledge and see certain graces of your life. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. Somebody who has been wired with a grace to build estates to give people accommodation can be struggling to pay his rent in a very low how do they call those places? I just, I'm just used to highbrow environments, you know. I don't know how they call uh, in trenches. Uh -huh. That sounds like it's too serious. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, so um, those who live in those low uh, standard area, all right, and they struggle to pay rent there. I like where someone said, I say, ah, what are you looking from this place? When I drove into that area, there are too many people living there, too many. I can't cope. I say, I can't cope seeing too many people. He said, Pastor, in that place, rent is 200000 for a whole year. I was dumbfounded. 
Because that's what I pay for. That's what they're paying there. I mean, it's my estate fee. Thank you. Estate fee. Ah. Hey, oh, yeah. House don't find it. Because those are just sent my house. It's a four million house. Four million. Four million divided by 200. Five times four. 20 years. Is it not 20 years? So that means I can pay rent for three years here and buy the house this thing. The rent of three years here can buy the house this thing. But do you know that people who pay 10 million? You know that people who pay 10 million, 50 million, 20 million? There are people who pay in dollars? You're thinking, okay. Let your thinking be okay. I, you know the guy, I want to stay at the penthouse. I'm designing my personal house. And it's different from what people design all over the place. Prayer house and penthouse. They face themselves like this. When you enjoy small, you pray small. So that you will not lose the kingdom. <laughs> you swim small. It's designed. It's a cycle of, do you understand? And you are seeing the city. As the witchcraft are flying to spread their thing, you two, you, you double-cross them. You, do you get what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. The, the good money that God is going to bless you with will make you live a better life. Stop, stop eating. Stop eating good things. May God help us in Jesus' name. Yeah. Are you blessed? Yes, <laughs> Somebody say, I have abundance of grace. Say, I've received abundance of grace. Say, my eyes are open. My ears can hear. My mind can perceive what heaven has made available, what God has made available for me. And I respond. I believe. I use my faith to activate the grace that is upon my life in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We have prayed.